And in the past, she would have just brushed it off and said, yeah, that's totally normal. And I would have felt temporary relief for a moment, but then it always comes back. That's the nature of OCD, the nature of the beast. It always comes back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Love the Nilsons. I'm Thomas. My name is Alyssa. And we're here to share our story. Discuss relationships. Talk about raising our kids. Be advocates for mental health. Share our faith. And whatever else life may throw our way. Let's do this. Woo! Hey everyone, welcome back. We are so excited to be here podcasting again, just like we said we would. No crazy life events happened in the last week, so we are back for our second week in a row. The dream team, here we are. Yeah, we we did have a pretty fun week though. We got to go um, spend some time with our good friends in Arizona. So thanks for entertaining and feeding our children for a week and letting us come crash your house. That was awesome. Except we stayed up way too late every (laughs) single night. We stayed up past midnight, which doesn't sound that crazy, but for folks that normally go to bed at 10, 10 30. When you're 30 with a bunch of kids between all four of you, (laughs) it was too late. But here we are and it's okay. So shout out to you, Jacob and Kenzie. Yeah. We love you guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we are we are back. We had mentioned a little bit um, last week that, you know, here we are now six months later almost. We had started a podcast episode giving kind of a history of our mental health journey and a lot of which is, is Thomas's mental health journey. But because, you know, we're married and been together a long time, it's our journey. Um and I'll let her tag along. We never we never quite finished that podcast. It was interrupted by several life events. So And yeah, last week on the podcast there was mention of mental health and that's what led to some of the major events that were happening with Alyssa's dad. And so wanting to pick back up where we left off uh, six months ago with my story we were gonna just kind of hitch a second half onto what we had recorded but we we're like eh, let's just start fresh we'll start fresh <laughs> so um so yeah so brief overview i guess we we don't want to get super in depth here we can get more in depth later but high level um my mental health, what I um, am diagnosed with is primarily obsessive compulsive disorder, or as it's commonly known, OCD, um, also with anxiety and depression related to that, but OCD is the main culprit, I would say. Um, when you hear OCD, there's probably something that you immediately think of, and that's somebody who's organized or somebody who washes their hands a lot. Um And while those things could be OCD, they are not always for sure OCD. Um, The exact definition of OCD, if we're getting like very specific, is when an individual has like thoughts or fears or feelings that lead them to feel stress or anxiety or worry that then drives them to perform a compulsion um, that provides relief that you would think provides relief at least but it's only temporary false (laughs) and relief yeah it's definitely a false relief because um it is a cyclical um disorder that will always come back right yeah and i i actually saw something the other day and, and we'll probably talk a lot a lot more about this because thomas especially feels really passionate about this but 
um, a lot of times you hear OCD used um, like, oh, I'm so OCD. Like I, an adjective. Yeah, like an adjective. Like, oh, I'm so, uh, I got to get this done. Like, I got to go clean my house. I'm, I'm so OCD. Like, I have to keep it so clean or whatever. Um, but I saw something the other day because I follow, like, we follow some mental health accounts and something. And um, somebody had posted a picture of, like, a really nicely organized pantry, which is nice. We actually just recently revamped our pantry. It's nice and organized, you know. Get yourself a label maker, baby. Organizing projects can be fun. But this person shared, liking organization is not OCD. Organizing feels good to do. OCD does, does not feel good. So Thomas is a particularly organized person. He likes being organized and having things like in a place. And but that's not really the OCD portion of me. Correct. But that it's not necessarily anxiety driving those things. That has happened before. And we can yeah. kind of talk a little bit about, about the difference there because it can be kind of a tricky line there. But... Anyway, so just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, no, that's good. Because, I mean, classic examples of, like, what OCD is, um, like I mentioned earlier, hand washing. People that wash their hands or like to be clean aren't inherently, like, diagnosed with OCD. But if you are constantly worrying that by having dirty hands, you're going to touch somebody and cause them to get sick and it's going to be your fault that they die, so you go wash your hands, that's OCD. That is when it's preventing you from leading a, quote, normal life, and it gets in the way of your regular daily activities. Um, Another example of OCD is, like, checking things, like constantly having to check locks or making sure your curling iron is unplugged. Again, checking those things once, that's fine. That's, quite frankly, (laughs) an ordinary (laughs) task, you know, but somebody that's you know, at work and thinks, oh my gosh, did I lock the door and has to drive home to check to make sure they lock it. They go back and they're like, oh, but maybe I unlocked it. So you have to go back again. Like that's obviously an extreme case. But um, another extreme case is I've heard of like people that are driving their car and they'll go over a bump and they'll start worrying excessively that they hit somebody that they ran somebody over so they'll go back they'll check on the side of the road check news articles check news articles yeah exactly um it sounds wild but man our brains are our brains (laughs) the more you like understand ocd the more you realize how powerful our brains are um in my case what i um primarily um deal with with my ocd is seeking reassurance like and And intrusive thoughts intrusive thoughts uh, and again there's a little bit of something that i um, deal with too it's called scrupulosity which is a term you might hear it has to do with religious based ocd like worrying that i did something that makes me a bad person that means that i'm going to hell or in our religion we have our ecclesiastical leader who's a bishop and when you've actually confessed like a serious sin before God's eyes, like he's there to help you through the process of changing and repenting is what we call it. And sometimes you confess to him. So in my case, it's like oftentimes like, oh, I worried that I did this. I better confess to the bishop. And that's the reassurance seeking. And it might provide relief because if that were to happen, like if I were to go talk to a person, whether that's the bishop or even like Alyssa sometimes, like I could just be like, hey, 
like I had this thought about this, like that's normal though, that's right, fine, right? <laughs> and in the past, she would have just brushed it off and said, yeah, that's totally normal. And I would have felt temporary relief for a moment, but then it always comes back. That's the nature of OCD, the nature of the beast. It always comes back. Yeah, I was talking with a friend the other day, just kind of explaining your OCD. It's in, hard to describe. In person, it's really tricky. Um, and I did mention this word that he just scrupulosity that he said where it's like you kind of have this um, concern about being your well-being and, before God. Yeah, I guess, yeah. like um, but I told her I said Thomas is super lucky because that's like one of the 20 kinds of OCD that I feel like he struggles with. I mean, I don't know if lucky is the right word. <laughs> Clearly there. being sarcastic here. But but yeah, like he definitely um checks a lot of fun ocd boxes so that is a one because again fun is being sarcastic ocd will attach to your values and it latches um, on to things that you value most as religious people um you know it will your brain kind of latches on to those values of um being good in the sight of in the eyes of god so anyway but that's but that's not the only one so there's yeah there's it there's comes several in all... different kinds and, and honestly and um it really attaches to a lot of the things that you value that so you care most about your family your work um religion marriage like a lot of a lot of things yeah so. and like and like Alyssa mentioned like it is not always like what you think like being clean or organized is not ocd um, sorry, is not having OCD. Even see, even I sometimes use OCD as an adjective. I'm guilty of it. I don't love when people do it, but like even I myself, like as a society, I feel like that's something we're having to work through. But having attention to detail or liking things a certain way is not always able to be diagnosed as OCD, yeah. but they can be if they prevent you from, you know, being able to move on and continue on with your day, essentially. Like, yeah. Just recently, we were visiting my sister in Texas, and like she saw our son like organizing some cards in a certain way. We were playing a card game, and she like pointed it out to me. And she knows I have OCD, and she asked like, "Oh, is that like?" She was asking out of curiosity. She's like, "Is that OCD? Like, does that concern you?" And hmm. I I told her like, "Yeah, it's something to pay attention to." But like, if he's doing that just because he likes to have them organized, that's fine. But if it's going to prevent him from being able to participate in the game yeah. or play he or move function. on, yeah. then we start to worry. And she was like, oh, yeah. So even somebody like my sister that has a loved one with OCD, it's like a constant learning. Like you learn things about OCD all the time. What do you say, though? There's a, a tricky fine line here because you are a particularly organized person oh absolutely but it's like how much of that was because as a child you maybe had some ocd that maybe was causing that and so that's now kind of ingrained that's into my your personality. personality so anyway it's it is a little bit tricky which is why it's a little bit harder to kind of describe and explain um but and we're doing our best yeah and it's <laughs> tricky too because people that have ocd oftentimes are organized and like it's a blurred line like yeah yeah and again that's and you why have I, to be careful i have to be careful too, yeah. because you've had times where i can't work unless i get has, the laundry done yeah there and, has been things like it's i kind of joke with my friends that if you come into our house 
and you see a couple uh, piles of laundry sitting there and Thomas is able to be working from home and functioning well, that means he's doing really... I'm healthy. <laughs> that means his mental health is doing really well because we've had some times in the past where that wasn't the case where he like had to fold the laundry and put it away and he couldn't do anything else. And let me tell you, even just with two kids... The laundry just never ends. So Let me check. Let me like, check. Oh, we got a couple. Oh, we have some baskets have some right baskets now. Right and I worked here. and I worked today just fine. So clearly we're So in a, yeah, so if you spot. see if you see a basket of laundry in our house, just celebrate the fact that Thomas is mentally healthy, hopefully. Yeah. But, yeah. So Al- yeah. Alyssa kind of mentioned like about me being organized and kind of as a childhood growing up, like I think it might be useful to kind of just share like very briefly like my background. Yeah. Like Growing up, I didn't know that I had OCD. Nobody did. Anxiety. Yeah, nobody did. Like, no, my, not my parents, nobody. Um, my mom suffered from anxiety and depression. And so, I mean, that probably could have been a warning to, just to... Again, though, back then, like... Yeah, how much... Mental health... 20 ag- years ago. ...wasn't even like, talked about, first yeah. of all. And two, probably wasn't even... There wasn't as much known about it as mm-hmm. there is now, so... The hereditary aspect of mental health, I mean, probably was known, but not discussed. No, so, yeah. yeah, we're talking 20 years ago. Like, you uh, know, stop. Like that makes me feel old. Stop. <laughs> um, so, like I said, growing up, didn't really know, but like looking back now, having an understanding of what OCD is, I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. I struggled with it, but like was always able to move on because I wrote it off as just whatever, like feeling like I needed to get something off my chest mm-hmm. or confess whatever it was like I just like kind of kept that in and was like all right like it's okay like and I had hours or days at a time where I was like maybe stressed as a kid which is kind of sad to look back at like mm-hmm. as a kid like worrying yeah. about whatever like I should be a kid living but um yeah so it was something that definitely has a been present in my life for a and while. I would say back then it was more of kind of Oh, yeah, Thomas is just, he's particular. He's a little bit more, you were really cautious. You always wanted to make sure you were following the rules. Rule follower, yeah. Because that kind of goes along with um, kind of perfectionism in regards to yeah, OCD. Yeah, we didn't mention that one. Yeah, perfectionism, perfectionism is a huge component of OCD, um, which I struggle with. Too. Yeah, so it was like you're just a perfectionist and you were just kind of a little bit of a worry wart. And like, I feel like those are maybe some kind of things that were maybe discuss or looking back knowing and, and just as a reminder i mean sure most of you know but if you're just listening in for the first time thomas and i grew up together so i've known him um since we were eight so yeah, so you've seen all i this. yeah i've been along for the journey and so knew him as a um younger kid and kind of saw all this just but that was just you like it wasn't concerning necessarily or anything particularly at the time i mean it is sad to think back like that you were the internal battles i had a lot of internal battles that i thought that still to this day there's probably most people that know me don't even know like yeah i could put on a really good face but like feel a lot of stress and anxiety Inside. inside yeah but yeah nobody i mean 
You just didn't know. Nobody knew better, and it's all good. You know, we're here now. It's like I don't regret anything about yeah. my childhood no. or growing up. Like you I had, had I had a childhood. great childhood. Yeah. Like this is not to say that I spent my entire childhood <laughs> stressing and worrying, but putting on a fake outside. But, but it no. was definitely a big part of your mental life as a as a kiddo. I would say it's a teenager. it's a core part of me for sure, especially yeah. as a teenager. Would you say? Yeah, teenage years were yeah. when it definitely like hindsight now looking back i'm like yeah teenage years i was definitely experiencing ocd related symptoms yeah mostly just ocd i guess the anxiety was kind of suppressed because i wasn't necessarily acting out on the yeah. compulsions of the ocd um but that that would come later for sure because <laughs> then after high school i went to college for a semester then i left on my church mission mm -hmm. where i went to argentina and that looking back now that's a miracle that like i was able to go on my mission and function probably because not it was mostly just because of the scrupulosity aspect because like as a representative of the church mm -hmm. like it's like it gets magnified like my desire and need to be perfect mm -hmm. and i often confuse like worthiness as a missionary like being worthy to be a missionary as like confuse that with perfectionism like worthy is not perfect which yeah. was a hard line to distinguish and between. unfortunately a, like i mean most of this was self-placed perfection oh absolutely I mean, there's rules as a missionary you need to follow um they really they're wanting you to i mean be kept safe in a foreign country first of all yeah and um also just follow rules of respect and to be able to like you said represent god which i did which is funny because you look anybody looking from the outside at me would think oh my gosh he's great he's following all the rules but internally i'm like i wasn't doing this 100 yeah. if i'm supposed to wake up at 6 30 and i accidentally slept until 6 35 mm -hmm. i was i was feeling stressed yeah. i was feeling nervous yeah but yeah, so a lot of that was just because as a missionary, there's more rules for a lot of good reasons. I mean, they need to keep Absolutely, you safe and yeah. keep you organized. Plus, not to mention, like, you're a 19-year-old boy out in a different country. I need some direction, so we, yeah. We, he needed some structure, and they all needed some structure out there. Um, but yeah, that was... I still... Like, looking back, we talk about this all the time. Like, it is... It's insane that you made it two years with the amount of anxiety that you had. I had a like, lot of anxiety bottled up for the sure. Whole time. Wait, but it was like, oh, convenience, not the right word, but about halfway through my mission of the two years, like uh, we would write weekly letters to our, it's called a mission president that kind of is in charge of all the missionaries. And I must have, I, I should go back and look at the letter that I wrote that caused him to, to call me, but I, I must've wrote something that, triggered something in him that i needed to see somebody because he actually called me and said hey you're gonna go talk to a therapist i don't even know if he called him a therapist to be honest i think he called him a doctor and i was like okay that sounds great and that was my first experience with a professional therapist actually when and it was great like to me it was like amazing to talk to somebody about how i felt like and what i was experiencing like and and I just tried to be an open book. I've always tried to be an open book with like my feelings. Um, you have three sisters, and 
I feel like you were always really good at that. Like, even as a teenager, you're, I mean, you're words of affirmation guy, though, too. Yeah. So in high school, even, you were quite eloquent with words, even just for me when we were dating. That's how I wooed you. (laughs) Like, so yeah, I would say that that's like a strength of yours is being able to express yourself. So that was also probably helpful when you went and saw that therapist. Yeah. So, so anyway, I saw a therapist one time was all, um, and it was helpful. I don't know if like that halfway point was what gave me the boost to make it the second half or whatever it was, but um, made it through my mission. I wouldn't even say like I simply survived. Like I feel like I did really well. Like it was hard, but you know it was still a great experience for me that I wouldn't change for the world. But um, got home and like we've mentioned before, like me and Alyssa got married pretty quickly thereafter. And things were good mm-hmm. being married. Yeah. Um, but looking back again, always looking back, like now knowing what OCD is, I'm like, oh man, I it was experiencing so this. <laughs> it was like always lurking there, like a yeah. creepy stalker in the background. Yeah. But we always talk about like, I mean, a lot of people say the first year of marriage can be the hardest. And if that was the case for you, like you got this. If you're in the middle of it, you got this. But for us, I mean, we had been friends for so long and been together so long that first year of marriage was really good it was amazing it was like like we'd waited for that yeah so long it was it was really good for us it was just a time where we um i mean we got along really well we both were in school we were both doing really well in school and at work and i mean stressful school and work and everything it was definitely normal everyday yeah it was definitely stressful but i i don't feel like in that first year there was like a significant amount to look back on to think, oh yeah, you were really struggling with that. I like there was, it was there like looking back, like, nope, it was definitely there. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, that first year was, was pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. And and like Alyssa had mentioned earlier, like one of the things that I struggle with, with OCD is it's like a term intrusive thoughts, like which are thoughts you don't want that, are normal thoughts that pop into anybody's head but like for somebody without ocd the thoughts pop up and you're like oh that's kind of random like like i thought about like i don't know very extreme example but i thought about like killing somebody like whoa like and for me that's not like <laughs> and that's not where my anxiety lies with ocd like because i recognize that that clearly that's like ridiculous i'm never gonna kill somebody but um for me oftentimes like my intrusive thought would like i would look at another woman now i'm a married man i would look at another woman and have an, an intrusive thought simply about recognize a, woman. a beautiful woman see a beautiful woman I'm like literally you and just recognize recognize a beautiful woman and maybe have an intrusive thought about like you know being with a woman like that's not my wife and like that would alarm me and cause me immediate stress and anxiety, provoke me to feel like, oh my gosh, but what if I acted on that? Or what if that, or I had that thought, like, and just even right now, like that brief glimpse of my what ifs and like worries, like that's just scratching the surface of what I was feeling internally. And that like began early on, like I, yeah. And, but I never once told Alyssa cause like, one that's like extremely embarrassing for me to admit to like my newly married wife like hey but like also i would always just kind of like try to rationalize it and then in the ocd brain like i'm like oh but i'm rationalizing and it's just like in therapy we've described it as like there's like a ping pong match in your head sometimes like like back and forth like and it almost was kind of like the cartoon like 
replication of like the devil on one shoulder, angel on the other, like they're talking and you're just like caught in the middle. But all this that would happen, like I would never tell Alyssa because I was just like breathe. Well, I didn't even, I don't know if breathing was a part of my life. Yet. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't I, breathe back then. <laughs> I haven't been breathing. Yeah. No, like taking deep breaths. Like I would just write it off and like deal with the anxiety and stress for a day or two or hours, whatever it was. And then, just move on. And, like, mm-hmm. that was the extent of OCD anxiety yeah. up till that point. Like, did you ever, like, notice that I was feeling stressed or anxious or, like... I mean, like I said, like, you just tended to be, like, a more cautious, worrisome person. But, like, I, I mean, that first year of marriage, I don't remember specifically. I feel like after that, like, maybe you kind of started to kind of ask me questions like oh i noticed like so and so they're really beautiful or something and then it was like this sneaky this roundabout way of trying to get me to be like oh yeah totally so then if i agreed and be like fine and we can kind of move on so little questions like that kind of started to sneak in like and like we mentioned also ocd attaches to the things that you value so as a newlywed couple the um, marriage our marriage was everything excuse me all right our marriage yeah our marriage was was new and it was it was everything to us i mean we and it mattered yeah we had a really good everything and so of course that's what his mind starts to go round and round in circles about so and ocd is it's like Alyssa mentioned it's like so i don't know sneaky is not necessarily the right word it's just so cunning i guess like me being trying to seek out like the reassurance like Alyssa mentioned like subtly mentioning like oh that girl over there she's kind of cute or that's a funny outfit she's wearing or whatever like just to get her to say like oh "Oh, yeah yeah. that is and then that was like almost like just like the drop i needed to be like (laughs) okay it's good but so but that's kind of like what we were dealing with like for the first little bit of marriage and probably the first three or four years just off and on and sometimes it was worse than others but um then we found out what like three and a half years of being married that we were pregnant Mm -hmm. right with our first yep and which was something we had planned for it was planned it was great we were happy excited it was awesome um but but now we bring in a new value of getting prepared for parenthood so now something new into thomas's life is he is going to be learning how to be a dad and so that's something he's going to value greatly and And which is already like a stressful enough thing for somebody without ocd but yeah so so you know that brings in a whole whole new fun game of let's see how ocd can um twist this around manipulate my brain almost and so I mean, Which we didn't realize that we didn't even know this was happening. Still, and timeline wise, still had not had an official diagnosis mm-hmm. of OCD. Had we gone to like a therapist once or twice? Like this right after? I think it was right after we found out we were pregnant with Cal. Okay. I think. Okay. I'm like, I feel like I remember maybe going to one just because like your anxiety at the time just was significant. So it was more just seeking out therapy for anxiety in general. Yeah, because we didn't know that it was OCD triggered. We thought it was, I don't know. You just were anxious. I feel like we had discovered the term scrupulosity, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we were still connecting the dots. Yeah, I was just figuring it out. You were just super anxious. Well, it's because like as I was preparing to be a father, it's like OCD, a part of it for me at least, is like the 
we call it rumination, like, or scanning. Like I would start scanning every component of my life in the past to try to see if there's anything I needed to, you know, make amends for or apologize for or, and like, I think what led us to going to see a therapist for the first, that first time together, like I thought of something and we like, it was causing me so much anxiety, even though it like was so insignificant mm-hmm. now looking back, but it caused us to go and we went yeah. one time and it was like, it was fine. fine. I know we realized we didn't, we just didn't we like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, we didn't. It yeah. Was it's the thing with therapists, as some of you may know, like it's like almost like dating, like you in a way find... you have to find somebody that you <laughs> mesh with that they understand you. And so it was like enough to be like, okay, like, got some tools breathe and you'll be good kind of yeah, thing but yeah. we're just scratching the surface but then so then i was pregnant um you still were in school i had been working full-time for a few years at this point yeah. um, and you were in your last <clears throat> um, little bit of your bachelor's degree um you were going to be finishing right around my due date pretty much yep. <laughs> so a little crazy that was fun um so yeah life was a little bit stressful i mean you're in your last part of school trying to figure out if you were going to go work or do grad school and you're going to have a baby so there's a lot of changes already um and we got lucky enough to when i was 32 weeks pregnant or something like that pretty far along um we got to go to hawaii we actually got to go with your parents which was fantastic um or so we thought well yeah but i'm saying like vacation with your parents in general like it was actually really that part like had potential to be a lot of fun but we got there and i think up until this point like i had been recognizing how anxious you had been like you were just struggling and i didn't have and the like, subtle reassurance yes, thing was like yes, taking up a just, lot it was just becoming more significant like just questions about becoming a father and wondering like how like to fix your perfectionism like i don't know just there was just a lot and i didn't really understand it at the time um well neither and of so, us did yeah we didn't so, know what it was so i was just like well you're so anxious but i didn't really I didn't really get it. I didn't really know what to do even, to be honest. Like, we had gone to therapy one time, so I'm like, are we good? Like, I just, we didn't really understand. And so we got to go on this trip um, with his parents, and it ended up being a terrible week for you mentally. It was terrible because... You just, like, crashed and burned in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so sad, and I feel like I still owe you a trip to Hawaii, but, like, we are here now, and we're good, but... It was just, I think it was a culmination of a lot of things, like the pressure of school and baby coming, and and it sounds so silly to say, but like the pressure of making that week in Hawaii so good. Like I felt like it needed to be perfect, so then any twinges of it, or almost like I felt like by going to Hawaii, I'd be escaping my anxiety. You, were, you got to leave your anxiety at home. And so then when <laughs> I got there and it was still there, I was like, crap, like this is awful and i think because i wasn't expecting to feel anxiety and the fact that it was there it was awful and like for a guy that struggles with intrusive thoughts and like worrying about seeing a woman and thinking Mm -hmm. something he shouldn't going to hawaii where there's women in bathing suits everywhere it was just like i'm it was a a minefield (laughs) yeah disaster so that happened in hawaii but this time i mean we got to be with his parents. And, and they so, saw. So we had somebody else besides me who I just was like, 
drowning in your anxiety like i had no idea what to do and, and you just like, thought like oh it's my husband i can take I care just, of him yeah i just didn't even know and so being able to have your own parents like view and to see how you were really doing um was exactly what we needed because we needed um their perspective to be like no yeah this isn't like okay like you're really struggling i mean i think you cried a few times on that trip i mean i went on a run with my dad at one point and i feel like the whole run i was just like talking to him about like is it okay that i had this thought or is this normal like seeking reassurance like the whole week it was just like really one big compulsion that whole week yeah so we um went home and pretty sure with the help of your mom found our therapist um who we still see to this day yeah and we who specializes in treating OCD because at the time it's like we had finally put the puzzle pieces together with the scrupulosity and just doing our own research like we were pretty sure that's that's what it was and so um ended up getting into a therapist pretty shortly after we got home for from hawaii so i would have been you know 34 weeks pregnant and we started going to therapy and and that's when you finally got your official diagnosis and you were what 25 years old at that point i was yeah 24 25 yeah so we were able to get in with her and it finally just like opened these doors of like oh my gosh like this is what i've been struggling with but like there, like you can get help like we can work with this you know it was amazing to get a diagnosis yes it was a huge relief and to like tell her like at first like i was so anxious about therapy which is ironic but i felt anxious about therapy because i was like okay well i'm gonna tell her exactly the thoughts i've been having and like at first and she even said at first like my first few sessions and even sometimes thereafter like the sessions themselves were just compulsion sessions Mm -hmm. where i was just compulsing to her and at first i she probably just told me like that's normal Mm -hmm. but like in a professional therapist e way like, she didn't just say, like, oh, you're fine. Like, that's normal. Like, she talked about it. And we, like... She just let you talk. She just let me talk. Let you get and through like, your anxiety. And then, like, she didn't, like, immediately, like, say that I was a horrible person or... Like, she made me realize, like, and talked about other clients. Like, obviously not by name because that's not allowed. But, like, <laughs> mentioning, like, other clients struggle with the same thing. So, there was, like, this sense of, like, suffering as a mm-hmm. group. Like, it wasn't like I was all of a, like, all of a sudden, like... I had other people that to, were suffering with me, like which made it better. Like the common suffering as humanity, I yeah. guess, was kind of what I could grab onto. Yeah. So there was just overall relief. I mean, you started getting tools. You just and just going to therapy in general, just talking can be helpful too. And, and we were going what once a week at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, and I was going with you too because I was like. I didn't know what the heck to do with you with all of this. And so we were going together There's so that I could... a lot of learning. Yeah, so that I could I could learn how to kind of help you through and <coughs> just kind of what, what to do in those situations when you would come to me with these questions that really didn't need answers. Um, and so we went for a while and you started doing a lot, a lot better. Um, was it also the same time that you got on medication? Or was that not till after? No, because I remember medication. She, I might have started it before we started seeing her. Yeah. I can't remember. You started medication for anxiety, I'm pretty sure. But not OCD. 
for yeah or not depression either no so you started some medication for anxiety therapy so i mean things started like looking up school was almost over the due date was coming closer like we were doing a lot better yeah um and then our baby decided he wanted to surprise us and rock our world and um he was born at 37 weeks pregnant just just because the little guy felt like it. <laughs> Still kind of bummed because we had movie tickets that night to go see uh, A Quiet Place in theaters. So that kind of got ruined, but we forgive you, buddy. So I just, I went into labor and he decided he was coming Earthside and that was a fun shock surprise. Um, and so, yeah, we brought him home definitely earlier than anticipated but we're happy to have him he was healthy i was healthy like everything everything was great it wasn't necessarily a traumatic he just came early yeah it was it was great our time in the hospital was fine don't you say um the anxiety of all the dad stuff crept in in the hospital did it creep in in the hospital yeah oh yeah it for sure started to like i immediately like i remember my aunt was there and i was feeling guilt for like something like i wasn't kind to her daughter like when we were 10 years old so i was like hey aunt like are we like like i just remember like i don't i don't know like i was worried yeah. that all of a sudden like my son was gonna be the one that was being unkind or like he would have regrets so I I, it, it was just a swirling a of thoughts of like but yeah and it was like you know there's t- emotions are high in the hospital it's really good and exciting but also exhausting and we're just trying Not to figure sleeping out. sleeping at all. We're trying to figure out the new dynamics as parents. So, I mean, there's a lot that come into it. And so um, we went home and I was actually doing quite well. I I felt pretty decent. Um, breastfeeding was really hard at first. So that was stressful. But luckily ended up having a really good support system. And he ended up eating better because that's a whole nother podcast. But everyone knows that breastfeeding is not easy so that was like stressful and obviously the sleeping or lack of sleep of a newborn is hard but i mean overall um he was a pretty good baby he was um but things did not go well for you no i mean i again just it was just feeling anxious and worried about like things that ocd was cut like i mentioned that word rumination like having a son just all of a sudden just like triggered a major process of rumination like of my whole life like am i good enough for this little boy am i yeah maybe that's what it was like just feeling (laughs) like i wasn't good enough for this boy and just feeling worthless and this anxiety like it just wore me out on top of the not being able to sleep super great in general and this was the first time in my life that I began to feel like side effects of depression, mm-hmm. like feeling like, oh, this might be depression. Like, mm-hmm. and for me, depression looks like just pure exhaustion. Like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sleep. Yeah. I don't want to get up. Like, I'm not like a mope around the house kind of person or like, I'm just strictly, nope, I'm just laying here. I don't feel like doing anything. Yeah. And luckily, once again, um, Thomas mentioned his mom had struggled with depression um and she was actually staying with us shortly after cal like when we brought him home from the hospital she was at our house which was so helpful because again here i am just trying to figure out how to feed this baby and take care of him and while also trying to take care of me now all of a sudden my husband is like 
going into this depression for the first time ever and i was just like it was scary is happening it was so scary but because his mom had experienced it she recognized it she spotted it and they actually got you into the doctor and that's when you started medication for depression because so that i mean we were able to act pretty quickly on that that combined with Um, we were still going to see nancy yeah and we still yep we were still seeing our therapist um and so, I mean, we definitely had a little bit more support, a lot more knowledge than we had had previously. Um, but it was really, it was a tough time because we were that trying first to become, month or two. Yeah, we're trying to like learn all this. And in a way, I felt like a little bit gypped. Like women are usually the ones that go through this. And mentally, I, I looking back, I was actually pretty anxious mom for the first little while um i had some nights where i had a lot of anxious thoughts like creeping in and things like that but for the most part i would say i was doing fairly well um and so i felt like kind of gypped like my husband is supposed to be the one here supporting me physically and and mentally and you're just falling into this depression so we actually I remember one visit to the pediatrician. I mean, he was probably just a few weeks old. The pediatrician was asking me, like, all the depression screening questions, essentially. Or postpartum, yeah. And we were kind of like, no, but can you he ask asked him? About, I think he asked about me. He, like, yeah. kind of like, how are you, dad? And I was yeah. like, and not he great. Was like, yeah, and so we actually, it was kind of fascinating. You can look this up, but um, there is a percentage of dads that experience postpartum depression. And obviously... You're not giving birth, but I mean, you're there for all the emotion and life changes and things like that. So it was, uh, that was also really eye-opening, like dads can experience that. So that was shocking and another fun little thing thrown into what we had going on. Um, But again, you were still, you were able to get on medication, able to go to therapy. And so I don't feel like you stayed in that depression funk for too terribly i mean i don't know i mean it felt longer than it was probably but it was probably a month or two and then at that point we knew we were going to be moving to oregon for school and so like kind of maybe that excitement kind of took over and but like we were treating things so it's not like we were just brushing it under the rug but like we moved to oregon and didn't see a therapist the whole time there like i was on medication but like i don't know if being busy with school like I felt like social connection with people in school and that helped me. And I feel like 95% of our time in Oregon like was pretty dang good. Our time in Oregon was really, really good. And, and I mean, you also had just enough therapy tools to get you through. Like you had learned, you had learned a lot. You had done a lot of therapy. I had learned a lot. So I was able to help you. I think still Um, I was like trying to subtly seek reassurance sometimes or worrying about thoughts, but Alyssa would nip it in the bud, which I would hate. Like I wanted to get that reassurance, (laughs) but by her not giving it to me, I was able to then work through it on my own. Not on my own. Like I had her helping me by not helping me. Which is what I was directed to do by a licensed therapist. (laughs) She was told to not help her husband. No, but no, in all seriousness, like her not like feeding or fueling that fire like like not act we learned in therapy that inaction is action sometimes and so like not acting on like a thought was 
was action in and of itself. So yeah, our time in Oregon was great. We had we moved there when our first one when he was like four months old, and so it was just a really fun time of us learning to be parents together away from like what we were comfortable with, family and friends. And you thrived in school, and we made some great friends out there. And um, go ducks. We got to explore. We got to explore Oregon. Thomas became a big ducks fan. Um, so I mean, overall, that time that like not quite two years was that was a really really good time for us yeah it was great we found out we were pregnant again toward the end of that time and i had gotten a job to work in arizona and Mm -hmm. so we were like pumped our best friends jacob and kenzie like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast they live in arizona so we're like stars are aligning stars are aligning this is perfect everything was really good um so then we moved to arizona and again this time was filled with a lot of hope we were pregnant again we had a fun new job we were officially done with school thomas you graduated from graduate school and um covid was kind of this weird like thing hanging over everybody's head that we didn't know how long it was gonna last but i mean overall there was a lot of hopefulness optimism um, optimism just excitement fresh start um, yeah it was just it was really exciting we honestly thought we would be in arizona for a long long time like we had no plans to to leave anytime soon um but it was quite it was quite the mental health spiral it took <laughs> a turn we got there it and took so a turn there. we yeah i feel like that we only spent so we lived in arizona for one year Um, And that one year was quite the year for us. So it is kind of a lot. And there are some details that we really want to be able to share well. But we're mindful Um, of of time here. Yeah. So we want to wait until next time to kind of share a little bit more of that and kind of go from our time in Arizona. So we moved there, obviously, in 2020 um, up until now to kind of give an update of the mental health uh, history. So. so stay tuned. I mean, it's like Alyssa said, there's details that we want to go into that wouldn't be able to be talked about if we were to just wrap this up in yeah, five minutes wanna... here. So we want to make sure we give it the time needed because that's a huge part that defines us as yeah. our mental health currently stands. And also um, our reason of why we're sharing, honestly. Like yeah. we, we found... I don't know. We just, we both found this, um, this drive to, to share and to do our best to help others. I mean, we are still learning every single day. Um, but, and I'm still learning quite frankly, how to, how to share, how to be vulnerable. Yeah. Like the stuff that I've talked about, like, that's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. Cause I don't want to talk too much in detail about it because then it could potentially become a compulsion where like we have people reach out and be like oh my gosh thomas like you're great like don't worry about it like or i felt that too like i don't know so, i'm fine anyway. no, no, no i'm fine if people reach out and okay. say that they like Experience have experienced it. this too like Please that's do. what we're here we for actually, we would yeah. love to hear and love to support too but but no next week stay tuned we're gonna go into detail into what what happens next in our story that truly motivated us to be where we are now sharing this and being in a position to hopefully provide a little bit of support and inspiration to others but yeah if you listen this far today um thanks for thanks for being here listening to our story um we know there's so many of you out there that struggle with um anxiety and depression and and various mental health struggles so seriously you are not alone and um 
it's not an easy road to be on no matter what your road is, but just know that, um, we, we have a little bit of understanding and you can always reach out and you're not traveling that road alone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's why we're here sharing the stories. We, we want you to know, like you can do it and and you're not alone. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Love the Nilsons.